Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Rob from Cigar Store Idiots. You may be asking yourself what Moonwalker Delta 8 is. Moonwalker is the industry leader in Delta 8 THC products, an emerging category pushing the boundaries of the cannabis plant. By expertly combining terpenes with complementary flavors, Moonwalker represents the absolute pinnacle of Delta 8 THC products, all engineered for pure bliss and joy. If you have any questions or concerns about the legality of Delta 8, please feel free to visit moonwalker.com backslash pages backslash legal. So you guys like coffee? Well, good, because we've partnered up with the best. Blackout Coffee Company is America's best small batch coffee. The true patriotic roasters of freedom nectar that lets you stay on your grind all day, every day. Blackout Coffee Company offers signature blends, single-serving coffee pods, and several types of loose teas. You can order those as needed, or you can join a monthly subscription. Head on over to CigarStoreIdiot.com, look for the Blackout Coffee Company link, and make sure you use promo code Rob. W10. That's R O B W10 for some immediate savings. This was never about money for us. It was about us against the system. That system that kills the human spirit. We stand for something. To those dead souls inching along the freeways in their metal coffins, we show them that the human spirit is still alive. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another uh, another uh, episode of your favorite podcast. I'm Elmer Fudd, <laughs> and, and I am Porky Pig. I think I'll just stick with Cousin Johnny. All right, fair enough. It's Cousin Johnny. Anyways, it's good to see you guys in here. Good to have you back, gentlemen. The Braves are red hot, red hot. They are stroking it. I saw a thing that. You know, they lost that one game to the Phillies because of rain. Yeah. And they were like, y'all got lucky. Yeah, they did. Y'all just need to know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've never and, – and here's the thing. It's early, y'all. It's – we ain't even to the All-Star break. They're on fire. My only concern is what happened last year. Hot bats get killed and went a long delay. Yeah. But the only thing I like is the fact that everybody said they'd never be as good without Freddie. They'd never be as good without Dansby. Wrong. I hate to say it. I mean, you hate losing that face, but these guys have stepped up. Just like Sherholtz used to, homeboy. Anthopolis is making. Knows the game yeah. in and out. Because yes. when they get rid of people, I'm not saying Freddie's not an all-star. That's no, not no, what no, I'm no. saying. But everybody, remember when we were kids, when they got rid of Justice, we were like, man, what the hell? Justice yeah. never did another thing. Nope. When Andrew left, Nothing. nothing. They see the writing on the wall before anybody else does. They know. I mean, like it's got. I remember. I don't know if you guys remember Marcus Giles, a place like a base. I remember. Um, I actually worked with Glenn Hubbard's son, the Braves' old Saget baseman. Uh, his son, his younger son Matt, and he told me um, that they were going to get rid of Marcus Giles, and I was like, "Why would they do that?" And he's like, "Oh man," he said, "They just." You wait and see. When he goes to San Diego, he you won't hear nothing outside of him. And man, you didn't. They, you, didn't. you absolutely didn't. So. Everybody that was studs with the Braves when they left the Braves, they never, never. And I think going back on, and not to make this a sports podcast, but I think Chipper saw the writing on the wall, and that's he was basically Brady before Brady. He restructured his contract numerous times. He played left field for God's sake. Yeah, whatever he had to do. And I think 
Olsen. I think Murphy. Murphy. Nobody he, saw Murphy doing what he's doing. No, he's, he's, he's killing doing it. great. And the, and the the one good move that everybody got all the tour out of shape about was uh, sending Grissom's ass back and keeping Arcia at shortstop. Man, that, there's not a better one two guy up the middle in the in the league. So are than, you going to give you going to give credit to Anthropolis or are you going to give credit to the coaching staff? Because I'm going to be honest, because it's going to be both. Because yeah. I feel like the guys that we got in place as yeah. far as coaches are the ones that are maximizing. Talent. Grissom, Grissom's a hell of a, a ball player, but he's not a shortstop. And I don't care what anybody says. If you can go down in the basement during the game and get some hitting tips from Chipper, that's a plus all I day mean, long. I mean, that, that's a that's a coach that you got on staff that you ain't having to pay, right? And he only, you know, he has his. Um, I think he still does major league bow hunter. Um, that was big for him for many years, and uh, when he retired, he he stepped away for a year and a half. And then when he sold his farm in a ranch, I should say, in Texas, he basically would go to spring training, and then he would stay on for a month mm-hmm. after the season started, and then he would kind of back out. And you got him. I think you bring, as a hitter, you in chipper – being a hitting coach, you have Dust or not Dusty Baker, but what was the guy that, that managed the Rockies when they first? Walt came, no, when oh, they first came oh. in, big old heavy set black guy. Uh, he came to Atlanta as a hitting coach one year. Don Baylor was it? Wasn't that big Don Baylor? I don't know if it was Baylor or not. Anyway, whoever it was, that's when Chipper won MVP, and they interviewed Chipper, and they said because he was hitting for power and numbers, home run numbers from the right side of the plate. And they said, what do you equate to, uh, you know, the, the turnaround on, you know, batting right-handed? And he said, well, I think it was Baylor. He said, you know, Baylor told me, and he stopped. He goes, that I shouldn't be scared, basically. Baylor right. told him, quit being a pussy yes. and hit the ball. <laughs> yes. And he did. I mean, he was stroking it. Yeah. And I think you got him. him. Quit making an excuse that, well, I'm just not yeah. strong from the right side. You got him, Pendleton, and then before Pendleton and him, there was another hitting coach there. And then he grew up with all those. You, you got uh, the big cat, Galarraga. Yep. You got uh, Crime Dog. Freeman Group, yeah. You got some some solid hitters. And despite what people will say now, baseball players talk to each other in the offseason. I would not be surprised if in an interview now, Chipper had talked to Tony Gwynn. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's one of the best they ever do it. That story about him getting up to bat and it come a deluge, and he told the starting pitcher, he said, "Look, when we start over, he's going to throw me a curveball, and it's going to be two and zero." Oh. And he said, "I'm going to hit it the opposite field." And whoever was on second, he looked at them and said, "When I hit it, don't look. It's going to be a hit." Yeah. And by God, two and zero. Oh. Man, he was unreal. He did a lot of T work too. A lot of guys used to didn't. They'd shy away from doing T work, and that's Chipper's biggest thing. Gwen was like, Chipper would not go back, balls off of T. He yeah. won't go take live batting practice till he hits fifty with backspin into the net. Yep, straight shots off a of T. That's just the extra work you put in to be a to from going good to great. And that's to the a, thing to an MVP. I, Jocko Willink said, "Great people do the average thing." over and over and over and they do the great things over and over and over till they are honed in he said that's the difference between and chipper even said look when you get to the majors you can hit whether you want to admit it or not you don't get there if you can't right 
And he said, once you get there, you've got to hone your craft. So, and uh, one last thing, last last uh, last shot of baseball we're going to get is uh, for you Mets fans. <laughs> we'll get them next year. <laughs> no, you won't. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> Anyways, all right. Uh, so, gentlemen, before uh, we get any more deeper into any sports uh, on this podcast, let's go ahead and jump to let's let's switch gears. On today's What the Florida, because 4th of July is coming up. Ahead of the weekend of 4th of July, America's Independence Day, a resident of Cape Coral Canal in Florida were woken up by fireworks, but it's not what you're thinking. Uh, Sarah Warnock uh, could hear a man screaming very loudly at 3 a.m. in the night when she went outside to see what was going on. The gentleman looked at her and said, I'm a firework, and began screaming. (laughs) And she said, shut up. You know, she's like telling this guy to shut up. And he's running up and down the street in the middle of the night. He's actually caught on security ca- uh, uh, cameras uh, screaming fireworks noise across. The- he's screaming fireworks noises across the canal, uh, across the neighborhood. Uh, he goes up to another guy's house, beats on the door. The guy comes out and he's like, I'm a firecracker. Boom. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. I mean, I don't know to say. And then he's like, a bottle rocket, yeah. And then he's like, uh, this shit's annoying, isn't it? Uh, quit doing this shit in the middle of the night. So basically, he didn't appreciate their fireworks show. They kept him awake. So next year, he goes ahead and gets an early jump on celebrating the 4th of July. Uh, he was going up from door to door celebrating early. Um, people were asking uh, who the angry man was. No one wanted to admit who he was or the identity of the uh, mysterious man. Uh, if you didn't know this, and I didn't know this, and I, I still don't know if this is true, but it says in the United States, Florida fireworks are only legal for three days, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, and Independence Day. Does that sound right to y'all? Now that you mention it, there's not fireworks stands like when there's you cross not. into Alabama no, or Tennessee. I did not know that. I didn't so, either. I didn't know yeah. it either. I don't agree with the gentleman's tactics, but I know where he's coming from. I do too, <laughs> and, I, and I'll say this. They really don't bother me. Like as much as they do other people. And it's just because people have pets in their house. And I know it is like, uh, it drives animals crazy. Well, I mean, some animals you got to slip a Xanax. Yeah. Or yeah. Like uh CBD for, for dogs. Like they make those. They really <laughs> they, they do. do. You have to give it to them because they, they go nuts. They'll sit there in the floor shaking like crazy. Shit all over the house. Yeah. Throw up all over the place. Yeah. That's, that's what you want to sling at the neighbors that decide to shoot fireworks <laughs> for five days yeah. after but the 4th. That, but that's the thing that does drive. Now, I understand, like, if you do it on the 4th of July, whatever, go ahead and, and set your money on fire. That's cool. But those people that are doing it five days later, I don't I don't get that at all. Well, and it pisses you off if you live in a neighborhood because there's, like, no courtesy whatsoever. No. So they keep shooting that shit. And, and it's like they literally, over the top of your house. They literally could burn the whole neighborhood down. Yeah. I mean, burn the whole that. neighborhood down. They don't think about that. There's too many cocktails involved for them to worry about burning down the neighborhood. So <laughs> guarantee that. And the other thing too, I, I now I know people that man, they go all out and they'll spend hell thousands of dollars on fire. Now you can get some heavy duty fireworks in Georgia now. You can, but I'm too much of a tightwad because if me I, too. If I spend that much money and I, you know, there's going to be a dud. There's if there's, I spend that much money on fireworks and you light it and that thing doesn't go off, I'm going to be pissed because all I see is my money burning. Yeah, I never had, I never understood the appeal of spending thousands of dollars just to set your damn money on fire. I got a cousin that does it, and the only reason he does it by marriage, the only reason he does it is his son 
is um, autistic okay. and loves fireworks. Well, there's circumstances, I guess. It's... So every year for his birthday, they, I, I would say, five hundred to a thousand. Yeah, I mean. It's it's nice. Yeah. I've been there for a couple of the birthday parties, and it's nice. Don't get me wrong, but um, and and my thing with that is I'm not you. You do what you need to do for your kids. Sure, yeah. sure. And especially in that situation, that young man is beside himself every time yeah. one goes off. It, it 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 really is worth the money to see his face. But with that said. You ain't gonna see me dropping a grand on fire. No, Hell, I get pissed no. off when I when I had to back in the day when we would make the run to Alabama. It cost me thirty bucks. Yeah, and then I had a college roommate, and I bitched about the thirty. Yeah, yeah. I had a college roommate. He's the one that started the uh, mortars, or he's the one that, he dropped like a hundred bucks one year. <sighs> For like ten mortars, yeah. I'm like, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah, they're pretty, but they ain't that pretty. No, I mean my kids are lucky to get some snapping pops. <laughs> they tell what they call me, throw them on the ground and they pop. Yeah, or them goddamn the worms. Arc- you light that sulfur yeah, pellet, yeah. or the arc welding sparklers now. Oh yeah, yeah, those things. Have you ever been burned by one of those? Yes, the Dude, same guy that the bought worst. the uh, mortars. He got married, and they had the. Three foot ones that were about, I'd say they're probably a quarter of an inch diameter. Yeah. Son of a, I had like second degree burns yes, on sir. my thumb. They will burn your ass. And I had been drinking yes. most of the night. You felt so it. You know it. Like, you felt <laughs> it. Yeah. I, and that's the thing too. Like, I don't know, uh, when we would buy fireworks, like my cousins lived in center. So we would go, I'd go over there anytime. Uh, and hell, they sold fireworks year round. And, and when, they had fireworks. I mean, we you'd stick an M ninety, the little red ones, a lot little hot dogs, little little red weenies, light one of those and stick it in a neighbor's mailbox, which is a federal offense, and we do not recommend you do that. But I've seen a guy do it. Kaboom! I'm talking about mail, shrapnel, everything is like, dude. It was. I was like, we're going to prison. We're going to jail. When cousin Johnny and I were small, I mean, under the age of ten, we would go New Year's Eve to a, an older couple's house. That were friends with my parents. The older man had stashed away the uh, original M80s, and he only let two out. I bet he probably had fifty, but there's only two. Mm-hmm. There's a reason they outlawed. Blow them. your hand off, dude! Yeah. It was like a short, damn, quick fuse. A damn, like those stories you heard from your parents about man they flushed one down the commode and it got into pipes and we shut school down yeah yes sir. i believe it yes sir i believe it it'll yeah. rupture a cast iron pipe yeah <laughs> we i remember my uncle had uh he had a bunch of five gallon buckets and uh, i don't know what he, he used them for several different things maybe water in their garden and stuff like that well, hell we were shooting bottle rockets off in there and they would explode and blow holes in, and these are bottle rockets i'm talking about blowing holes in the side of the bucket and uh, I thought he was going to kill us. I think we blew, we blew up three of his uh, three of his buckets. But yeah, the fireworks back in the day was well, there was no joke. Jose Cuervo, eighteen hundred, uh, talked to me into uh, we used to have bottle rocket wars with our neighbor every year, and so we'd just stay in the yard and we'd shoot them at each other. We'll, we'll call him GI Joe. Yeah, uh, Jose Cuervo told me that it would be a good idea to cross the street and let's just go, let's just go at it. Bottle rocket war. Yeah. Well. He sends one down, and it felt like I got punched in the nose. And so my eyes are watering, so I keep wiping like this. It's my right eye. 
So we get through like 20 minutes after that. And uh, it did not explode. It just hit me. Yeah. Thank God. So we get through, and his floodlights come on, and we're all cutting it up. And I turned to walk away, and he goes, dude, you need to go home. And I was like, why? And he said, you're bleeding. And I went like this, and my whole hand was covered in blood. Whoa. It hit me on the corner of my uh, right oh eye. Oh, my God. Right next to your nose and split that piece of skin. So I'm drunker and Cooter Brown, and I'm not 21 yet. And so I get it all washed off, and so I walk in with my finger on my on that little place, and my mom goes, everything all right? I was like, yeah. So I go into the bathroom and I, i'm looking at the mirror i'll never forget this and i take my finger off my eye as soon as i do man it just gushes down and so i was like mama no, there's no way to hide this <laughs> so i clean it back up and put i was brushing my teeth and i walk in there and they go what's wrong and i went like this and when i let go my mom's face turned pale white the last thing i remember before i passed out was my dad was straddling me with his thumb in my eye and the last thing i hear was <laughs> Hell no, we ain't taking him to the hospital. There's enough alcohol in his system. We'll all be drunk. <laughs> oh, my God. Talk, but about you, a, talk about a defects referral. But you're right, though. If that thing would have went off, it would have blew your oh, eye yeah. out. Yeah, I had blood. I had a ocular bruise. I had blood creep into the iris of my eye. I had to go to an optometrist, and I was the walking poster child for fireworks. Yeah. And I worked at the uh, Kennesaw Sports Authority. And... um an orthopedic surgeon at the same place that did Smoltz's surgery would come in and me and him hit it off. We, I don't know what we'd talked about. He'd come in. They wouldn't let me wear sunglasses. So I had a big old shiner. Mm-hmm. And what happened to you? And I was like, I would tell you, I got in a fight and the other guy worked, looks worse. I said, but I was drunk, got hit in the face with a bottle rocket. And he said, he turned and looked and he had like a six year old son. He goes, and that is why I told you, you will never play with those. Yeah. And I was like, you're welcome. It's like the after school special. Yeah. The more you know. <laughs> I can be an example, sometimes a bad one. <laughs> um, we Tonight, we're going we're gonna to dive back into the Black Widow series. Uh, we had done a couple of those, and I think you guys seem to like it. And we appreciate all the new listeners we have now. And uh, be sure to uh, subscribe to whichever your favorite podcast platform is. So that way you get updates on new episodes that are coming out. And also, if you want to join our Patreon, it's two bucks a month. And you'll get the episodes before anybody else does. You'll get early episodes. Speaking of which, if you listen to us on Stitcher, that is changing over to Pandora. I did Stitcher not, will uh, no longer be available. Well, finally, we're on Pandora. I was like, they just ain't, they ain't with it. So Stitcher's going to Pandora. I didn't know that, so. All right, so you can find us on there too. All you people that don't like, uh, like my wife that says, I don't like Spotify. I'm listening to Pandora. Can you not like Spotify? She's just being difficult. <laughs> She's just being difficult. That's all it is. So. Does she listen to this podcast? She does not. She says, I listen just to you. Just making sure that she, you didn't say anything else. She says, I listen to you talk all the time, and the last thing I'm going to do is spend my spare time listening to you talk in a car. Uh, my wife. It's the same fair. way, and uh, she said a lady pulled up to her, and she goes, I heard your voice, and I'm like looking around. Where the hell is he? And he, she goes, then it dawned on me. She's listening to your dumb ass on the radio. Yeah, isn't that amazing? That's crazy how that works. So we're going to jump on uh, old Julia Lynn Turner. Uh, she is a Georgia native, and uh, back in, uh, I want to say, well, not that date, because that's the date she left us all. Well, she was born Julia Lynn Womack in 1968 and was adopted at the ripe old age of five months old to a couple in Cumming, Georgia. That's right. And she, they spoiled her rotten. They did. But apparently the the married couple uh, did not stay married. 
Uh, Helen, I believe it was Helen and Lynn. Uh, no, hold on. What is this cat's name? Uh, yeah. The family divorced when they, she was five. So they um, don't say the mom's name. They don't. And then mom's like, don't say my name. He ain't my kid, but she ended up with her new stepfather, D.L. Gregory, and as a teenager, Lynn took to substance abuse, and uh, she was admitted to the clinic for Atlanta in Atlanta for drug problems, and then in 1990, she got out and uh, started a job as a 911 dispatch in Cobb County, Georgia, and Lynn attempted to become a police officer, but... Uh, Believe it or not, she failed the psychological exam. No. Well, before she became a nine one one dispatcher, she even had a civilian position as a undercover narcotics person in Chattanooga. Well, how convenient for her. You mean I get to go do I, it? I and get buy to it. go do it, buy it, and then get paid. This, this makes it legal. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she um, <laughs> she liked to frequent cop bars and hang out with a caffeine. Does that mean that she was one of the original badge bunnies? Uh, I would say mm. so. I mean, looking at her picture, it's hard to refer to her as a bunny. I wouldn't say a bunny. bunny. I'd say more I know like that, a, I know that's what the uh, I'd say more like cops call her. A sleeve stack from Land of the Lost, maybe, <laughs> with a wig on its head. Hey, as uh, Oxygen.com says, quote, Lynn liked cops and they liked her back. She was upbeat, pretty, with a good figure, and she liked to be the center of attention. They liked her from the back or they liked her back or they liked her back back? She always had a flashy car, plenty of money, and, quote, she was very flashy. Well, that hair's done. That That is a nice-looking quaff she's got on her head. I don't know. That one right there is horrible. That, no. Well, that's a sleeve stack picture I was referring to. So. <laughs> <laughs> I hope y'all wouldn't listen to this thing. It's going to be uh, serious. Um yeah, so she like what you were saying, she uh she was uh very affluent with the with the boys in blue and uh she possibly was a badge bunny. She actually ended up getting married to a gentleman uh named Randy Thompson. Randy was Randy Wait, Randy, Randy was Randy was two. Okay, all right. Let's go. Let's let's go back a little further. Uh, Glenn Turner was there her first go. husband. Glenn fell head over heels in love with her, but mm. his sister said that she was quote a big tramp. Oh, <laughs> quoted words. Tramp. That's tramp. a word you just don't hear enough anymore. It's not tramp. Well, that's like broad. Dame, is that offensive? Dame, I think dame broad. Is, I think dame the dame Judy Dench. Yeah, I think dame is a is an, a badge of honor, but broad. I don't think that's a derogatory word. Or what about whore? I mean, I think. Well, now we've crossed the line. Crossed the line too, being offensive. (laughs) Okay, just checking. (laughs) Just checking. Or is she a whore? Like, did she charge money, or is she a slut because she just did it for the pure fun of it? Or I'm thinking this young lady doing an experiment for science. I'm thinking it was research. Yeah, research. Weird it's, all, it's, all, it's all research. 1991 is actually when she met Cobb County police officer named Maurice Glenn Turner. Uh, and began, she began to pursue him, and she actually married Turner in August of 1992, um, the year Grunge came out. Uh, Glenn began to work at a job as a gas station to support himself and Lynn uh, after after she had left her job. So she got married, and she's like, I ain't working no more. Working for the birds. Yeah, they... You're going to support me. They said to him, his co-workers took bets on how long the marriage would last. Oh, that's never good. Or, how much, or who was going to get to sleep with her first. And she... Uh, Immediately upon marriage, insisted she be on the life insurance policy. Red flag number one. Yes, yes. What do we know? When you start fooling around with that life insurance policy, things are going to go south. Um, they began having problems in their marriage early on uh, due to her spending more money than Glenn could make 
and they soon were sleeping in separate bedrooms. Which is crazy at this point because poor Glenn's working two different jobs. This at man. a gas station. At a gas station. Moonlighting at a gas station. I mean, it's one thing if you're moonlighting at a bar as a bouncer, off-duty yeah. cop. But as a gas station attendant? That means you ain't. Come I mean, she's, hey, police officers don't get any sleep. Period. They do. They don't. You know, and you can hear. You know, Officer Manning comes on here and talks about how he'll he'll patrol all day, and then he has to go to court the next day. No sleep. Maybe get drive home, get a couple hours of sleep, and then get up and go do it all over again. So, this guy's working. You, if you're working in a gas station, you probably he's probably working at night, like night shift gas station. So this man ain't sleeping. She's out honky tonking on the town. A co-worker told Snapped in February of 1995 that Glenn had had enough and was planning on moving out and getting a divorce. Quote, I had heard suspicions that she was having an affair with a police officer in Forsyth County. It sounds like a, like a George Jones song, almost. Is, is she on the wall at, like Mount Rushmore? Is she our first Mount Rushmore of Georgia? It could be. She should be. But, Maybe on Stone Mountain. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Step right up. Come on in. Um, so, yeah, she's apparently having an affair with a police officer uh, named Randy Thompson. He's actually a firefighter. She decided to cross cross over from she the uh, police officers. She got did. a different first I responder. You, I wonder if you had a wicked hide accent. <laughs> wicked hide. <laughs> <laughs> I bang a Yui over there. Maybe Not. it wasn't a Yui. <laughs> Maybe it was a she. <laughs> Um, man, so yeah, so she starts having this affair. Uh, unfortunately, Glenn, unaware of his affair, the wife's affair, begins to move out. He files for a divorce. Um, and he started feeling ill and went to the emergency room on March the 2nd of 1995. He was complaining of flu like symptoms. Hmm, cousin Johnny, flu like symptoms, flu like symptoms. Hold on, let me go a little further. He was treated and felt better and went home the next day. He was found dead when Lynn came home. Bum, bum, bum. She didn't serve it in a Moscow mule dish. No, they said that she played nursemaid, brought him liquids and easily digestible foods yeah. such as soup, jello, and sweet tea. But he got sicker and sicker, see? Jello and sweet tea. Jello were the t- jello shots? I mean, no, this, no, no, Was no, she no. wearing her little nurse This was 95. This was way before This then. is jello. <laughs> J- it was this Bill, was Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby was still able to do commercials yeah. at this time, so. That according to Miss Lynn, she said that um, he started hallucinating. And he tried to jump off a balcony and threatened to drink some gasoline. <laughs> Which is uh, code for there may be some gasoline in some of that. Uh, he was uh, The death was ruled a national cause due to an irregular heartbeat. After Glenn's death, she immediately moved in with Randa Thompson and collected $153,000 from her husband's death and his pension. Wow. Got it all. Got all of it. So what's uh, this is the autopsy I, I said he died of natural causes and an enlarged heart at the ripe old age of thirty one. This is before the jibby jab. Yeah, yeah. The jibby yeah. jab. Yeah. We, we normally don't see thirty one year olds dying of natural causes. No, nope, in ninety five, it's not a normal. I mean, it's, it's not, not normal, normal now. Twenty twenty three. Sure is not. We went. We moved from crystals to clots. That's what we did in the bloodstream. Crystals to clots. That's okay. what we're doing now. Okay, so I know you're about to do this, and I don't mean to step on you, but... Nope, you're good. The dirt hadn't even settled on Glenn's grave. No, and she's m- sold the house in Marietta, moved back to coming, and is in an apartment with Dandy Randy. That, dude, he was not even cold. This guy wasn't even cold yet. And she 
he then moved on. He moved was along. the Forsyth County officer that was. Uh, I'm not even going to say it, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, Lynn and Randy bought a house together and had a son and a daughter. And then by 2000, Randy and Lynn, of course, started having problems in their relationship. Never saw that coming. Randy moved out. He said, I had enough. Uh, your cooking is terrible, and there's a greasy film in my mouth every time I eat this Jello. Uh, January the 22nd of 2021, Randy Thompson, age 32. 2001, not 2021. Oh, it is. Okay, my bad. Sorry, there's a lot of twos in there. I got a little excited. Uh <laughs> At the age of 32, he was found dead in his apartment. Thompson had reported feeling ill with flu-like symptoms. Uh-oh. Cousin Johnny. Vomiting and fever. I can't have get you, this shit under control. Have you been eating any Jello here I, lately? I have not had any Jello. Okay. It's I'm just checking. I, I mean, it's, way, but it's, thanks for making me paranoid. It's I not it. out of the question. I'm just asking questions here. Um, and he had gone to the emergency room complaining of a stomach ache and vomiting. Constant Co- vomiting. Couldn't stop. I know, it's starting to sound a lot like what I had two days ago. Yeah, man. Actually, yesterday. What the hell? Well, uh, well, at least we know we can't you. catch it, Arlo. It's not contagious. Not contagious. Just don't uh, drink the antifreeze. He was treated and released in 2000, uh, January 21. I, I'm all about the 2000s. I'm getting wound up. Uh, Lynn had actually made him some jello, and by the next day, he was dead. Yep, she went by to take him some chicken noodle soup, and he was cold as ice. I just want ice. you to feel better. God, jello made me feel good when I was a kid. Eat this Jello; it'll make you feel good. Everybody loves Jello. Um, she ended up only collecting thirty six thousand dollars from his death because his slack ass forgot to pay on his insurance policy of two hundred thousand dollars, and it lapsed. Uh, she was thinking there was going to be a two in front of that three six. She Oops. did. She did. Uh, and and here we here we go. Thompson's reported cause of death was an irregular heartbeat, the same cause of death that Lynn's previous husband had. And that's when people got a little suspicious. Yeah, Glenn Turner's friends heard about old Randy's death, and they thought, hey, there's foul play afoot. There's some fuckery afoot. <laughs> Quote to uh, one of Glenn's co-workers said, I slammed my hand down on that desk and said, I knew it, I knew it. And I reached out to Randy's mother, Nita Thompson. And that's when Catherine Turner, Glenn's mama, called Randy's mama. And when two mamas called each other. She went she went from Anita Thompson to Anita Lawyer. <laughs> That's what happened right there. Quote, Kathy and I started comparing note about Glenn's and Randy's death, and everything was so much the same. The illness, the way they were sick, just makes my head spin. You would think that this would be an anomaly, like this would happen one time. There's multiple stories of, uh, of this stuff like this happening. Well, the, here's the thing. This just goes to prove people are stupid. Yes. They're <laughs> mastermind criminals with stupid. no common sense. In May of 2001, the Cobb County DA reopened the investigation into Glenn Turner's death. Detectives zeroed in on a photograph that they had taken of Turner's garage at the time of his death, which showed a can of antifreeze next to the can of gasoline that Lynn said her husband tried to drink when he was hallucinating. Here, wash it down with this gasoline. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I don't, I don't know smoke if y'all no know cigarettes. this or not, but that antifreeze got this stuff called glycol, and if you ingest a lot of glycol, it can uh, mask itself as flu-like symptoms. It sure can. Let's. And before we dig in, let's let me. I, I brought this up just specifically for this this uh, this reason. Uh, what does antifreeze poisoning? What is the effects of antifreeze poisoning on the body? Once you ingest that chemical. 
it turns into I'm going to screw all these up except for formaldehyde and uh, formaldehyde and acetone. I can pronounce those. Um, you had uh, it looks like uh, glyco glycoholic acid, glyoxalic uh, acid, and uh, glycolate. Shit, I can't even say that. Anyways, it's poison. <laughs> There's the poison. <laughs> well, they said to mask it, she always, you have to cut it with something sweet, sweet. like Jello or sweet yes. tea. So yes. Obviously, she went for the Jello. Yeah. Well, yeah. she went or for sweet both tea as well. Yeah. Uh, it will slowly begin to react in your body, uh, in in you into in your bloodstream. It takes some time for the first symptoms to appear. It depends on whatever amount is swallowed. The earliest symptoms can develop thirty minutes to twelve hours after ingestion. With the severe symptoms starting about two hours after ingestion, uh, early symptoms of antifreeze poisoning may include an inebriated feeling that that would explain his hallucinations, uh, and then followed by headache, fatigue, lack of coordination, grogginess, slurred speech, nausea, and vomiting. I don't know, guys, but it sounds an awful lot like a lot of trips to Florida I made. <laughs> so I'm not quite sure uh, what was happening there. Do you uh, ever have a watermelon on your head in a pool? Nope. Okay. Because I saw a guy one time. I was just making sure. I thought you were about to say you knew a guy, which means there's a picture of you somewhere. No, not me. No, no, no. I remember waking up that morning (laughs) feeling like hammered ass at 18, thinking, what what am I doing? And I I opened the the vertical blinds, walk out on the balcony, look down, and he's by himself. Half a water or three quarters of a watermelon on his hand, drinking the bush lattes at eleven in the morning. Ooh. I remember Means he probably didn't go to bed. No, he's just pushing on through. I was, we lost a guy for three days. Really, we did, and then he showed up. Like we, we knew his brother was in town, and he that was the last thing we heard. Hey, I'm gonna go see my brother. Okay, well we're there for seven days, and I'm like, you thinking is, he's with his brother for three days? This is this is how shit goes sideways. And talking last week about how we're not all dead. We go, like he's, you know, like you said, he's with his brother. Don't worry about it. So we're getting ready to go grab an early dinner, and we ride the elevator down. And as the elevator doors open, there he stands in a pair of swim trucks with two pairs of Oakleys, one on his head, one on his face, a beer bong, and a six-pack in the other hand. And he's like, hey! And we're like, dude, where you been? He's like, I've been with my brother. He went home. I'm back, boys. Let's go. <laughs> oh, my God. And nobody thought anything about he it. He could have been dead. Yeah. He probably should have been dead. Oh, after we, after he sobered up, within two days, we finally got him to confess. He didn't ever black out, but he remembered vividly things that went on. And I was like, how are you alive? Yeah. yeah. I was told that uh, I got a... I got a hollowed out, um, what is it, a pineapple, and it was like a frozen drink put in it. And then they, they poured in like several other types of liquor. I think it was tequila, maybe rum. I don't even remember. But I was told that once I drank that whole drink, I started eating the pineapple. And when From I was the outside? Yes, sir. I <laughs> ate it like the, <laughs> I ate the pineapple. He was eating halfway down. with the shell. Yeah. <laughs> halfway down before I was called uh, to my senses and it was taken away from me. And I was like, you're just trying to ruin all my fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm just I love trying the fact, to eat. Then love I, the fact it got taken away from you then like I a spent, toy. Then I spent my 45th birthday. <laughs> That's how long ago this was. <laughs> puking my guts out and sleeping in Florida. Like, yeah. 
Oh, it hurts a lot more. But yeah, when well, I tell you what hurts a lot more eating that pineapple the wrong way. <laughs> the, the <laughs> While you're day. eating it, or the next, the day, next, the next day, day, the next day. It's like, why is my throat so sore? Um, if your body continues to break down antifreeze over the next several hours, the chemical can infi- can interfere with your kidneys, your lung, lungs, brain, nervous system. Uh, your oral damage uh, can occur in 24 to 72 hours. You may also develop rapid breathing, enable the inability to urinate or the inability to read. If if you're me. <laughs> Uh, rapid heartbeat and convulsions when you possibly will lose consciousness and you'll fall into a coma. So she's witnessing these guys go through these things and she's still feeding it to them but, like but, clockwork. But what amazes me though, we keep looking at this and we talk about these ladies that go and they figure out how to do this. You know, we had the one from last week where she went and she's hooking up with the local drug dealer trying to get multiple doses. Starts out with something light, doesn't work, I need something stronger. This genius goes to an animal shelter and talks to somebody and says, hey, I've got this stray animal I need to put down. What poison do y'all recommend? She should ask my grandmother. <laughs> she, she wiped out a whole neighborhood full of cats, bless her soul. Everybody came for the antifreeze cat food. Good as gold, man, but she cats start shitting in her flower garden. It was it was an act of war, and she made sure that there was, her off. And there was no uh, there was no survivors. Sorry. God dang it, she's the most beautiful, sweetest saint of a grandmother you ever could have had. But if you shit in her cat her flower garden, son, it's over. So So now we've we've got the ball rolling. We've kind of figured out what's going on. There's obviously these guys have been uh, there's something kooky going on, and then they start exhuming bodies. Yeah, they um exhumed Glenn's body in t- July two thousand one. And then um they find traces of ethylene glycol in his kidneys. Mm. Crystallized. Mm. 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 It just didn't get there by, by a rare occurrence. It's not naturally occurring. It's not. It's like I said, we went from crystals to blood clots. That's it's right. What the 30, it's what's killing the 35-year-olds these days. I don't remember seeing that ingredient on the back of a Jello box. It's not. It's not. <laughs> I feel like I missed a step somewhere. Yeah. You got lucky you missed a step. <laughs> so did I. Like, Good chance the next person that serves me jello, I'm going to slap I'm not it out of their it. hand. I'm They're going to go I'm put it in front of me. Get that shit out of my face. <laughs> I'm, I can honestly say it's been 10 years since I've had jello, and I may not ever eat it again. No. I think I will. I'm, I'm scared to eat spaghetti from one story. Now I'm scared to eat jello. For long, I'm just going to be growing my own shit in the backyard. <sighs> Might as well, because I can't even drink a Moscow mule now without thinking about fentanyl. I had one either. Man, three of my favorite things. Jello, mules, mules, and uh, skitty, skitty. <laughs> well, you can still eat cold skittios out of the can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I think you can trust that. I don't know, man. There's some there's some chicken meat being grown in the lab now, so I don't know what I can trust nice. anymore. Just that guy on the line accidentally cut his pinky off. You'll be all right. Oh, Just eat around it. I thought he was with what's yeah. that spaghettios with little spaghettios and franks. I thought that's what that was. <laughs> No, that's Frank. That Frank had some bone. There's bone in that hot dog. There ain't bones in hot dogs. Those are red weenies, boy. Yeah, so turn she she was uh basically she was the one that was doing the uh killing. That's what they figured out. And they sentenced her to, to uh was it life two was it two life sentences or one? Well, I know they charged her in November of 2002. Her trial doesn't start until April 26th of 2004, which would have been nine years after Glenn's death. 
they didn't have any physical evidence, but after three weeks, they found her ass guilty, and she was sentenced to life with the chance of parole after 20 years. She actually was facing execution, and the then they, I guess she, one, she bargained she, out. She went through on Randy first, right? Yes. Okay. No, 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 no. The first trial uh, was Glenn, for Glenn. Glenn. Oh, the sorry. second sorry. trial was for Randy, and it began on March 12, 2007. Gotcha. She faced the death penalty this but, time. But Randy's death is the one that brought it to light. And so then when they yeah, started when doing the investigations, they said, they oh, wait, well, we're going to wait a minute before we do Randy's. We'll take care of Glenn first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this time, it only took them 12 days to find her ass guilty. Yep. I mean, they, they knew. I mean, it was all right there, the writing on the wall. There was no way she could deny it. I mean, she could deny it, but. She uh, got a life sentence with no parole this time. And uh, she was actually serving her sentence out at Metro State Prison. And uh, on August 30th of 2010, twist of fate, just like Epstein, they karma unresponsive. Yep. Not before she did an episode of uh, murder. She solved on Oprah Winfrey network. Uh, she got a little TV time too. If I'm not mistaken, she got, she did a little few interviews, uh, got a little few interviews, got her face on TV. Uh, her death was ruled as a suicide as she had overdosed on heart. Was it blood pressure, blood pressure medicine, medicine, which has propanol? Yeah, yeah. So that's what happened to her. And, and you know, the sad part is the mother begged them, begged the jury not to put her in jail. Like, don't give her life in prison. Don't give her life in prison. It, it, it's the odd thing is, is when it's your kid. Like, I mean, we could sit here and shit on the whole story and kind of like we're not trying to make light of it, really not. But I mean, it's. It, when it's your kid, I think it's hard to to, to see. Know, yeah, but uh, you want to find some redemption in somewhere when it's your kid, and that's the thing. I always default back to this. I growing up, I had to watch whatever was on the three channels we had. But yep. Even when I started working in college, but I'll never forget this. There was a Doctor Phil episode, and there was a young man that was strung out on drugs and. He had beat the shit out of his mama, and she had to padlock her door from the inside. And Phil steps in and, and tries to. And get, he's still what age is he? He was eight. He was sixteen or 16. seventeen at the time. Yep. And so he's trying to talk to him on stage, and you, this kid's not having any of it. And mm-hmm. so I'll never forget it. He, Doctor Phil, takes his stool, that bar stop stool, turns it almost ninety degrees so his back's facing the kid, and he looks the mom dead in the eye, and he puts his hand on her shoulder, and he goes. Your sole purpose in life is to get him to 18. And when he turns 18, that's, that's it. it. You've done your job. And that, as a parent, would be the hardest thing to have been told. But oh if you're locking your door from the inside to keep him from beating the shit out of you, yeah. things are off the rails. Yeah. I know we see a lot of times, too, because we got a we got a, uh, a, a Facebook rag uh, news. Not, not really news. It's just like a garbage thing on Facebook. Uh, in our area, and so many times you'll see stories about these grandkids that are living with the grandparents that beat, abuse, steal, and just to their grandparents. Could you imagine ever being sideways with your grandparents? No, because both of ours, even when things were dim. Still, I, there ain't no way I'd have crossed them. No way. There was still a little level of fear there. Sure. For sure. Yeah. 
there's still a level of fear with a 72 year old in the north end of this county. <laughs> well, I, I'm right there with you with my dad. Same, but like I, that's the one thing that, that that blows my mind is these these people will allow their kids and their grandkids too to do such horrendous things to them, and they still still somewhere there's a speck of hope inside of them that they're going to change or they're going to. You know, I, and and to not sh- like you said, not to be a Debbie Downer. Uh, there was a church in the area. This was when my granddad was still alive. Um, they would have speakers come in and talk, do a testimony and stuff like that. And um, before one of them got up and spoke, a young man probably he's probably eight or ten years older than us stood up and gave his testimony and he was strung out on meth. And, uh, he said that his daddy never raised his voice to him, always found him, brought him home. He said, and I mistreated that man for 12 years. And he said, by the grace of God and by the grace of my daddy, I'm in front of you today, clean and sober. And I've got a job and a family. Yeah. So while we sit, you know, a lot of people listening to the, I wouldn't let my kid do that. There's like you said, there's still tr- that glimmer of hope somewhere. Yep. And I hate to be this way, but if the evidence was ever produced to me that mine had done something like her, I don't. You don't know where you would go with it. Like, I'm the same way too. Like, well, But I think <clears throat> at the end of the day, it's your kid. You're never going to, even going back to the story about Dr. Phil, you're never going to give up hope. The fact that you hit 18 and have to cut ties with them, you're doing it because you love them. Yep, yep. And I know that people are going to wonder why. You, I mean, and I know somebody's going to think that I'm crazy when they hear this, but you realize at that point, because I love you, this is what I've got mm-hmm. to do. You know, I mean, we we all can sit here and nothing. There's a girl I went to high school with. Prime example. If I said, I mean, you, yeah, prime example. You know, it got to that point. It still blows my mind. Still blows my mind the stuff that she's gotten strung out on. But if you talk to her parents, her sister, talk to her brother, they all got. They they all did everything they could until sure. it got to a point they couldn't do anymore. And when you ask them, a lot of times they don't even have a sister anymore. Right. They've had to just completely write that off right. because they've all wasted all the money that they could to do it. Sure. And the sad thing is you got to allow them to fall. you got to allow them to make their own mistakes. That's and I exactly think that's right. the biggest thing that we're going to start seeing more and more of now. Oh, it's going to run rampant, guys. I'm telling you, it's going to run rampant. Because it's instant gratification mm-hmm. and not ever hearing no, not ever experiencing failure and having to to regroup. You know, we could go through stories after stories after stories, but it is like you said, you know, you've got to, it's the hardest thing. I know as a parent, just general stuff around the house, you know, I have to stop myself from going, just get out of the fucking way and let me do it. Yeah. Because you got to, you got to learn a method to the mayhem Mm -hmm. and that's, it's taken shit probably four years now. Yeah, but finally, he he's cutting grass on the side. Finally, I've convinced him to have a plan. We just don't go and just we're just gonna do this now. Yeah, and then I'm gonna do this next. And I was like, "There's got to be a method to the mayhem, there, yeah. son, or we're gonna be here forever." Yeah, I'm a poster boy for winging it, you know, and I'm serious. Like I, I I'm dead serious. Like I've spent, I'm the guy that'll jump head first in two inches of water and then figure out it was a bad idea. You know, that's kind of what I've been doing. But uh, going back to like with people, I've, we've been attending a church and we they have a, a thing on Tuesday nights called Celebrate Recovery. And so we there's a group of people. It's a large group of people that go in there. Some people have substance abuse addiction. 
Uh, some people have sex addictions. Some people just suffer from depression or suffer from uh, anxiety and or, or grief. They've lost somebody. And we, last night we went. Last night we went. We go every Tuesday. Last night we went, and we seen a lot of different people, a lot of new faces in there. And uh, and I'm gonna tell you, um, one guy had got up. I think he'd been sober for I want to say two years, three years. I can't remember. Cause when they get talking, man, you just kind of get lost in it emotionally. And uh, his mom was there, and he gave he got a gold coin for being sober for for however long it was. I think it was two, three years. Anyways, he got up there and they asked him how you know he stayed sober for so long, and he told them uh, that it was by the grace of his God, by the grace of God, and that uh, his mother never gave up on him. And he gave his coin to his mom, and dude, it just like it wrecked me. But I see how you know. People get put into bad situations and things like that, and you want to have some redemption for them. You don't want to give up on them. But when you commit murder, man, it's hard for me. to. I'm with you. It's hard for me to, to draw. A, I think in that situation, you have to separate yourself from the situation, and you have to look at them as two individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that was the old song, a daddy will forgive, but he'll never forget. Right. Yeah. I think that's the the thing that you probably are sitting there at that, like you said, at the end of the day, you're still my son or you're still my daughter, but you got to pay the piper. Yep. And in another sense, word too, all you can do is you got to you got to love them and you got to pray for them. Well, and, you got to give them, and I, I, and you got to let them make a mistake. Right. I, we worked with a guy for years, and um, he always told every year uh, his opening first day of school speech was, "You're going to experience the word no a lot in here. You're going to experience failure a lot in here." And a lot of things that you were able to do in your previous classes are not going to work in here. And it's not because I'm mean. It's not because I hate you. It's because I'm giving you tough love. Right. And you need that tough love if you're going to survive. And that's the thing. And, and I tell all of my students that, too. You know, at the end of the day, you're not going to find anybody that cares more for you and wants you to succeed. But I'm not going to enable you. Mm-hmm. Refuse to. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to let you be frustrated. Come to that you know, breaking point, And then we're going to back off that edge. And the thing is, I kind of told my son this story. His welding instructor, his first year was a, a kid that I taught and coached in football. And, um, he wasn't a world beater by any means, but he was a gritty, he had some grit in his crawl. And, um, he got frustrated one day at scout team and I wouldn't take him out. And I mean, he's out there going through reps crying and I'm like, nope, you ain't coming out. You got to figure a way out of it. And it was the hardest thing I could do. But after it was over, and now he didn't talk to me for a couple of days. But after a couple of days, we got ready to go to JV. And I was like, you ready? And he's like, yeah. I said, you know, you realize I didn't do that to be an, an a complete asshole. I said, you now know where you can push through some things. Right. I said, so when shit hits a fan, I said, it won't be as bad as that day. I said, there's your mark. Mm-hmm. But that's the problem now is the kids don't have to do that. Nope. They don't not, get pushed that You're point. not they allowed just, to. You get to the edge and it's over. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or, I, I mean, going into sports nowadays with kids, I mean, I saw a thing where a girl tried out for her uh, high school volleyball team as a freshman and was better than two or three of the players that made the varsity team. And she got in and ran it and, you know, this is not fair, da-da-da-da-da. And said her dad never said anything and said, well – the only thing you can do is you may be better than them, but what you have to do from this day forward is to prove to everybody out there that they made a mistake. Mm-hmm. 
And at the ripe old age of 12 or 13, it resonated with her, and she wound up getting a volleyball scholarship. Yeah. So, you know, it's not always about beating your kid's head into the ground. A lot of times you just have to, you know, you. my wife's the best at verbally disarming my son to the point where he, you might as well have cut his arm off. And me, I can yell and scream, and it's no it don't register. No. I'm I'm right there with you with mine. Same. But but going back to what you said earlier, how do you deal with that as a parent? I think what happens is like you said, you do have to look at it as two different people. If your kid's the one that committed something like this or did something bad, you almost have to have a moment of mourning to mourn the kid that you raised. Because they don't exist point. anymore. Because that kid you can't look and see the same kids. So you gotta mourn the life that you built mm-hmm. in that kid and then you got to figure out how you support them going forward and right. sometimes it's sitting on the back side just making sure i may be the only one sitting in the courtroom but they're going to see me but i sure as hell ain't going to support or back up or condone what they'll i'm not going to give i'm not going to make excuses i'm not going to no, no, sir. No. they no, did sir. what they did and they got to own up to it like and i think you said I, they got to pay the piper think about my grandmother hard-nosed woman and then you know kind of like your grandmother about the cats um probably cut from the same cloth, but she may cut you out, but she's not going to stop praying for you. Yeah. You know, like Tupac says, it's not, I'm not saying you can't eat. You just can't, can't eat, eat at my, my table. table. That's right. That's right. I know, it's not that I want to see you fail and go hungry. You're just not eating with me anymore. I think the one thing cool that we're seeing right now too, like there's a movement, you know, we had the movement with, I think as far as like, uh, like men, strong men, like, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of being raked across the coals for like being, uh, chauvinistic and uh, misogynistic things like that but man there's a movement going on in the world right now that's just sick and tired of the bullshit and i think men are starting to stand up and start taking claim back over their families it's that old adage you know hard times create hard men hard men create easy times and easy times create weak men it makes me excited like it really does like the things that i'm seeing now and things that's kind of that you're seeing it's uh people are tired they're just tired of it and i go back to a guy that i worked with um and I think I've told this story a couple of times, but when Bin Laden was killed and they dumped his body at sea and stuff, and I had made the comment, I was like, you know, nine eleven happened again, or if, if God forbid, we needed to call on this generation to stand up, I just don't think we have it in us. And he looked me dead in the eye, and he's the ex-serviceman. He said, you're wrong. He said, "There's good people out there." He yep. said, "You're just listening to the wrong microphone." We're seeing the. We're just seeing the the the. Like people have said, the, the minority has the biggest platform right. right now. Right. And there was a guy that said, "It's I coming think to it, an end." Yeah, it's coming to an end. I can't remember his name, but he said, "I don't give a shit if you know you identify as a unicorn and fart rainbows. Just yeah. don't shove it down my fucking throat." Yeah, and leave you my, do you leave my kids alone. Yeah, that's it. That's all you gotta do. So yeah, I mean, it's just it's. I don't know, man. It's uh, now a funny thing. I think I don't know. I don't know if I posted it or not, but uh, the guy goes. Uh, it was a little meme. It said, "Why do you have so many garden gnomes around your home?" And he was like, "Oh, those aren't gnomes. Those are packed with high explosive and shrapnel." Is that a one up the FBI? Yeah, yeah. Well, to get this thing off of not not being so heavy here at the end, uh, we had talked. We had said this one time before. If these specific group of women would have had a platform such as OnlyFans to lean on to make money and to act act a fool, a fool, would they have committed murders? And I'm my we're gonna have to start we're gonna start doing a uh, I don't know like a scale 
and uh, a scale of would you be successful on OnlyFans or would you not be successful and commit murder? Uh, Lynn Turner definitely would not be successful on OnlyFans. Nope. And uh, she she would still commit murder unless there was a sleaze stack kink out there. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Somebody wants to see that quaff. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, we're going we're going on that one. Y'all have a good one. Later. Later. See ya.